0: Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. We are in a series. We've been in a series for the last uh, two weeks, in fact, called, three weeks, called What Works. Yeah, who's been here for our series? That's good. Uh, And and really, I want to continue this series today. In our series, What Works, what we're talking about, what we're looking at is is, are there ways to live that are beneficial? Are there ways to live that work? And are there ways to live that, that don't work? Really, that's the, the kind of premise that we're starting with. There are ways to live that work, and there are ways to live that don't work. And from there, we're suggesting that Jesus invites us to a way. That Jesus has a way for us to live, a way for us to, to do life, a way for us to, to live abiding in Him as close to the well that He is as, as we can. And so if you were here with us uh, last week, we had the privilege of having Amy Davidson from the Revolution Tour share. And she, she shared on the fact that forgiveness works. That forgiveness is hard, that forgiveness is a consistent choice, not necessarily a feeling, but that continually choosing forgiveness does something in us. That forgiveness works, and and that forgiveness brings healing and life to the person who chooses to forgive. The week before that, we had uh, Maya come, and she talked about that, that in life, we can grow into who God made us to be. That that when we talk about this idea of spiritual formation, the practices, the way that we live, it's not a project of self-improvement, but it's a a becoming who God has made us to be and that we can structure our lives in such a way that that we can bear fruit, not because of our kind of sheer force of will, but because we live in connection and relationship with God. I loved this quote from her, that our conscious choices outside of the moment can help with our spontaneous decisions in the moment, yeah, and so I wanna encourage you if you missed either of those sermons, they're up on our SoundCloud and our YouTube and and, and you'll be fine today, you won't kinda be behind the eight ball, but they are great words to to catch up on and today I kinda wanna continue to unpack and really start to look at one of those those frameworks, one of those structures that we can put in our life, in fact, I'm gonna start talking about it today and we'll talk about it for the next couple of weeks, but before we do that, uh, one last time, why don't you bow your heads with me, why don't you close your eyes, I'd love to pray. God, we thank you for for these moments as we come together. God, we thank you uh, this Father's Day as we come into your house. God, and and, and we come in uh, in in all sorts of ways and shapes. God, some of us come in, maybe it's our first Father's Day and and it's an incredible day for some of us come in and, and, and maybe Father's Day is a hard day for us. God, but however we might enter the room today, God, I pray that we would meet with you God, that today it wouldn't be my words, it wouldn't be my ideas, but that we would encounter you, we would encounter your love and your truth, that we would leave here different than when we came in. We would leave more convinced that you love us, more assured of the fact that we get to be a part of what you've called us to do, and that we are your sons and your daughters. Praise in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So uh, we have some, some great fathers in the room today. Would you agree? Yeah? If you're a father, just look around and you're like, hey, that needed to be a a stronger yes, please. That was my one request for Father's Day. Uh, but one of the things, I don't know about you, one of the things that I love about being a dad, if, if you kind of haven't met me yet, if, if you don't know me, my name's Jono, by the way. Sometimes we have that up behind me. They probably did already. It's, it's a good reminder for me that I should introduce myself. Have you ever met? Hello. Uh, and I've got two kids, one wife. It's a good order. It's an old joke. Uh, but I've got Oliver and, and Harriet. And, and one of my favorite things to do, they're four and two. Uh, is to go uh, to, the, to the park with them, is to play with them really in any kind of way, shape or form, playing tag, playing ball. It's awesome because I always get to win. Um, they sometimes cry, but you know, that's, um, I'm teaching them hard life lessons. That's not necessarily true. Uh, but one of my favorite things to do is, is to go to the, to the playground, right? And, and not just go to the playground, but go, go to the playground as an excuse for me to play at the playground yeah so we'll get there and I'll be like hey guys do you think I can get on top of that swing set they're like oh yeah and so I'll get up there and be like, wow dad that's amazing Like, guys do you think I can climb up on that they're like yeah yeah yeah. people watch us at the playground they're like that, that those children have taken their dad to the playground to burn off some energy that's um <laughs> it's interesting right and, and, and so I'll climb up that and, and, and like anything I do is, is great because they think it's incredible I feel like Superman I'll be like, guys, how many pull ups do you think I can do on these bars? Oh, I don't know, Dad, how many pull ups can you do? And so I'll crank out 50 pull ups. I'll be like, amazing. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, um, 30? 30? You go for 30? No. 15? 15? Can I get a 15? Meet me a 15. Can I get a 15? No. 10. So you guys are like, Johnny, you can't do any pull-ups, right? That's why I didn't, have a, didn't lower a bar for the pull-up competition. didn't want to expose yourself. Look, it doesn't matter. They think I'm incredible. You don't have to, all right? Uh, and I'm, a, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. And, and, and so, but we got to the playground one time, and, and there was a piece of playground equipment at the playground that I didn't recognize. It, it, it looked like this. Not that. That's the words, what works. That would be weird if that was at a playground. It looked like this, this. Th- this point's not going to work if you don't imagine, close your eyes, use your imagination. No, don't, cause I do want it to shot. Is it going to be up there guys? Can I get a thumbs up? No, yeah, you got it. Amazing. Thank you. Has anyone seen one of these at the playground? Yeah. So i now growing up, these were not at the playground, right? I had no idea kind of what these were. And so we arrive at the playground and, and your children assume that you know everything, which is, you know, that's their first mistake. Uh, and so you get there and they're like, Dad, what is this? What does it do? And I'm like, oh, I've got no idea. Like, let's, let's, let's find out. And, and so it kind of, it spins on itself. And so the kids kind of, they, they're like sat on it and it started rocking back and forth and they're kind of, they're pushing it around and it's, it's a great time and they're walking on it and I'm holding their hands and they've kind of had enough and they go to do something else. And I'm like, hey guys, do you want to see something cool? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I get up on it and I start, I start just kind of walking on it, right? And so like, it, it turns itself into a bit of a treadmill and they're like, yeah, cool, wow, you're walking on it Dad. that's amazing. And I'm like, do you reckon I can go faster? Yeah, go faster. So I start doing like a little bit of a jog on it. They're like, yeah, dad, yeah, it's so cool. And then I, I don't mean to go faster, but now it's got like a bit of momentum of its own. So it starts going a little bit faster. I'm like, I guess, I guess now I'm running on this on this thing. And they're like, yeah, dad, yeah, it's so, so fast, yeah, it's so cool. And then I'm like sprinting on it. I'm like, yeah, dad, yeah, it's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, kids, this is great. In my head, I'm like, I don't know how to get off of this thing without falling onto the ground, right? And so now I'm like sprinting, just full my arms are out, like I'm trying to keep in, in one place. It's like I yeah, that's good, That's good, your dad knows what. And just, I just fall, like just crumple, just head first dive onto the ground. I now understand why they make playgrounds and Then that kind of springy mat sort of material. I was very glad uh, for the designer who did that. And I got up and I dust myself off. And I was like, yeah! And they are like, yeah, so cool! And I was like, yeah, totally. I totally meant to do that. And then we go back to the playground. They're like, dad, run on that thing again. I'm like, Ah, oh, n- nah, um... <laughs> You wanna see how many pull-ups I can do? <laughs> which, is, which is funny, right? But I think, I think this thing, this wheel of death is a great illustration of life, right? And that sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes in life it can kind of feel like you're not quite sure how it happened, but you're sprinting on the spot just trying to keep your balance, convinced that you are a hair's breadth away from plummeting face first to the ground that life just kind of goes and goes and goes and and maybe something that started fun gets a little bit faster and you get a little bit more off balance and and it was thrilling but now it's scary And, and all of a sudden you're kind of feeling trapped. You know, maybe you, you get a job and you're working your job, but you want a promotion. You're like, I, I feel like I'm really, and, and so you start to, to you, you bring in a few more hours. You start to take on a little bit extra responsibility and, and then you meet someone and, and it's fantastic. And, and you get the promotion, but, but you kind of got promoted for doing more than your job was to do. And, and it's kind of the expectation within the promotion that you would keep on doing the more than your job is to to do The only problem is, is you're kind of maxed out in your normal kind of nine to five to do the job. And so you end up working extra hours and, and kind of burning the candle at both ends to, to get it done. And, and it's more than you can fit into a normal day, but you make it work. And, and then maybe the relationship develops and you get married or you take on other commitments or you have kids. And and, and your life expands and there's more outside of work. And your, friend, your kids have friends and they have sports and they need feeding and clothing and cleaning. And, and you could do with a little bit more space for these kids and their stuff and your stuff and just so you don't have to see each other all of the time. And so you're like, we get a bigger house. And so you go for another promotion to afford the bigger house. And so you work a few more hours to afford the promotion to to get the bigger house. And then all of a sudden you find that that you've got less time and more commitments and more things to do and, and, and more hours that you're at work. But you also wanna see your family. And one day you wake up and you wonder, when did I start waking up overwhelmed? Like it used to be that things would happen during the day and there would be stressful days, but when did I get to the point that I would wake up in this state? And so maybe if you're like me, I know the answer. I need to hustle. Right, like I need to get more efficient. I need to fit more things into the day. And, and so you start doing these kind of inconsequential weird things just to claw back some control of your life. You go to the supermarket and you, all of a sudden you're a cyborg and you're analyzing the grocery lines. You're like, which one is going to be 10 seconds faster than the rest? Because if I can get in the fastest grocery line, then I'll have some semblance of control in my life. Right, and you get in one, you're like, this one's gonna do it. And then the granny pulls out more groceries and you're like, oh. my life, right? Like my day is ruined. And then you get in traffic. And and Christchurch is perfect for this. It feeds it in us, right? Whoever designed the traffic in Christchurch was malicious and twisted. Uh, And and so you get to the traffic lights and and the single lane of traffic, what does it do? Splits into two so that you can try and overtake the slow pokes, right? And it's amazing. And so you get into the fast lane and you streak down and the lights are red and you're like, I'm not just gonna overtake. I'm not merging like a zip. Zips are for suckers. Right, Like I am cutting to the very front of this queue and I'm getting where I'm going 20 seconds faster than the rest of you because I'm more important. (laughs) Right, And you get in front of them and you get there and and you're amazing and you're like, man, I'm in control. I've gotten to the point in my life at some stages where I'm so about uh, optimizing every moment. I will do business while I'm doing business. Anyone know what I mean? I'll take my phone into the toilet with me and I will write emails while I am addressing bodily needs, right? Some of you are like, that explains a lot. That, that, that phone call we had, Yeah, you know, I just feel like, mm, maybe. Disgusting, right? I don't do it anymore. It's very unsanitary, right? And just there are moments. Some moments are sacred. Some moments should not be interrupted. But, but we've all got places to be, don't we? We've got jobs to do. We've got bills to pay. We've got kitchens to clean. We've got kids to raise, news to read, lawns to mow, dinners to cook, Netflix series to catch up on. We've got clothes to wash. And then we've got clothes to wash again because the kids got snot on it. And then you've got clothes to wash again, again, because there was just one tissue. One tissue made it into the washing. And you sure, you checked all of the pockets and they were all empty. And it was a black load of washing. And now there is tissue throughout all of your washing for eternity. You know, I just give up, I just, no, no more washing, you just burn the clothes, we're going to read. And there's kind of this moment of, of the pace of life just is what it is, and you find yourself going faster and faster and faster until you're, you're sprinting and you realize, I don't really have time for the things that I wish that I had time for. I don't have time for meals with my family, or I don't have time for, for deep conversations with my friends, or I don't have time to rest or reflect or read or really even enjoy any sort of intimacy with God. We just don't have time. But the good news is, is neither does anyone else, right? So we feel all right about our dysfunction because you're like, I'm busy, but you're busy, so this is just the way that the world is. We just, none of us have time. None of us have space. We're all just busy, so it must be normal. Do you ever reflect on life and think, man, I'm just sprinting. I'm sprinting just to stay in one place. Happy Father's Day. I hope you feel encouraged. I'm I'm so glad that we came to church today. This is great. Yeah, life's busy, and now I just feel guilty about how busy I am. This is just the best. I do have good news. If you you have Bibles, turn with me uh, to the place in which we started this series. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, this is the NIV translation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in the message version, he says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't let anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. You know, the start of that passage, are you tired? It's become something of a rhetorical question in our modern culture, hasn't it? Of course you are. Low-grade exhaustion is the new normal, and that's for a variety of reasons. Part of it is kind of body-based. You know, up until very recently in human history, most people, historians would tell us, slept for, for 10 to 11 hours a night, sometimes with a little kind of bit where they would wake up in the middle of the night, do some chores, make some love, get back to sleeping, right? Like, it wasn't such a bad way to live. But now in the Western nations, the the average amount of sleep per night is just over six hours. And inconveniently, there's a whole bunch of research that's just starting to come out that talks about the devastating effect of insufficient sleep on our minds and bodies. And while there are seasons of our life in which sleeping for less than we would like is unavoidable, I think for many of us, our children are grown and they don't need us up with them in the middle of the night, but we're still not sleeping as much as maybe we should because it's become chronic. And we end up being diminished in our whole person because we are just so tired, not just in our bodies, but, but in Jesus' language, we are tired in our souls. And, and we put it all off. We're like, man, what? but vacation. Right, like when it's, when it's summer vacation, I'm, I'm gonna sleep for hours and hours and hours. And we do for, for that week or those two weeks or whatever it might be, and we catch up on sleep, but there's still this, this psycho-spiritual exhaustion that doesn't go away from catching up on hours of sleep. The hurry, the busyness, the frenetic pace of modern life, the always-on work culture, the rising cost of living and having to take on maybe multiple jobs just to make ends meet, the digital age in which your phone never stops buzzing, the constant stream of alerts, the 24-7 news cycle full of outrage and fear. How could we not be exhausted in this moment in time in which we're living? And the problem with chronic exhaustion isn't that it's just an emotional problem or even a medical one. At its core, exhaustion is a spiritual problem. Why? But, but because we follow Jesus. Jesus, who said that the greatest commandments in all of Scripture are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. For, for Jesus, how you're loving is a great indicator of how you're doing. It's the canary in the coal mine. But the more exhausted we are, the more difficult it is for us to love or to to bear any of the fruit of the Spirit. As Jesus says in Mark 4, 19, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. I think the truth is, is is really, as as we'll say up on the screen, it's hard to love God when you're tired. Right When we're tired, we're more prone to sin. And by sin, I mean we're more prone to destructive behaviors that hurt ourselves and others. In fact, scientists would tell us that one of the first things that happens when we're tired is our, our prefrontal cortex, kind of the part of our brain that exercises impulse control and, and forward planning, it basically goes on power saver mode. It's like, oh, well, we don't have space to run this at the moment. And so we end up not behaving how we actually want to, not from our, our deepest desires, but from our most immediate desires. We just respond to whatever's going on and, and often we don't respond well. Which leads me to my second point. It's hard to love God when you're tired and it's, it's hard to love people too. I don't know if you've found, but, but I know for me, most of my worst moments uh, as a friend, as a coworker, as a husband, as a father, when I'm exhausted or I'm stressed and I'm in a hurry, And I'm more irritable, I'm more impatient, and I'm more selfish. I say all this to say this is not how I think it's meant to be. This is not the way that we are meant to live. This is not what we were made for. This is not a way that works. Jesus' will for your life is not for you to be chronically exhausted, sleep-deprived, unhappy, and living with no margin. I remember growing up kind of our, uh, one, something that I heard that, that kind of justified this, this constantly always on hustle culture within church was the cliche, the devil never takes a day off. Right, which is true. Like the, I mean, I'm assuming, like I haven't rung him and been like, oh, sorry, Satan, it's today's Saturday and you're not working. Oh God, I'll call you back tomorrow, right? Like, so I'm not, I ca- cannot verify personally, but he seems like the type. But here's the thing. I don't know if you thought about it, but but last time I checked, we're not following the devil, right? Like we're not trying to base and emulate our life of how the devil may or may not live. We're following Jesus, and I don't really want to base my life and how I'm living on what the devil is getting up to. Here's a metaphor that, that may help. Imagine your life is, is like an energy power bar, like on your phone. We're all like, ah, oh, I can get that, I have a phone. 100% is, is what Jesus might call life to the full and 0% is like you're underground, you're dead, right? And, and I think often what happens is life is we don't usually really rest until we're dangerously tired, until we're at like 20 or 30%. And then when we rest, we do that thing, maybe you do this with your phone as well, where we rest just for long enough to kind of get out of the danger zone. Right, we don't, we don't recharge to the point that we're at 100%, that we're fully rested, that we're feeling, we just get kind of, you know, if you've got an iPhone, you get out of the yellow, that kind of 20% point, which is like power saver mode, and you're like, oh, this is, okay, now I'm feeling nervous. We just get it up to like 40 or 60, maybe 70, and then we just have perpetual charge anxiety. I'm now speaking to the phone, which is an extension of the metaphor, it doesn't matter so much, Right. But we recharge to the point that we can kind of keep on going through life. But what do we miss out in that last 30 or 40%? I would suggest we miss out on what the New Testament calls the fruit of the Spirit. We miss out on love, on joy, on peace, on patience, on kindness, on goodness, on faithfulness, on gentleness, on self-control. The best stuff comes when we're well-rested. Wisdom insight, hope, vision for the future, grace for other people's failings and for our own energy to do our best work. This is why rest is essential to following Jesus because if the end goal is to become a person of love and God, it's really hard to do that when we're chronically exhausted. And maybe you're here today and you're like, Jono, tell me something I don't know, right? Like I know that I'm tired. I know that I don't have enough time for everything and now I just feel bad about being tired. Like this isn't, helping. So, so what works? Is there something in the way that Jesus lived that we can embrace and apply to help us reorient away from exhaustion and towards life from the full? I, I want to suggest I think so. You know, In fact, when you look at the Gospels and take a step back, it's pretty fascinating to think about the way that Jesus lived. Jesus had three years of ministry, and that was it, three years of public ministry. And, and in those three years, he did a lot. He recruited the 12 disciples from varying extreme different worldviews from religious zealot to corrupt official and he brought them together and taught them a new way to live life together. Not only that, but he endured the persecution of the Pharisees, the, the temptation of the devil. He healed sick people. He, he loved hurting people. He preached a uh, countercultural gospel. He fulfilled 351 Old Testament prophecies. And and, and throughout all of that in the Gospels, we have no record of Jesus ever running. You know, if you read through the Gospels, there's no record of him running or or jogging or fast walking or skipping or sprinting. We just read that he walked. Right, Jesus, I wanna suggest, he never rushed. He never said to his disciples, oh, man, we're behind schedule, guys. Like, we were meant to be in, in Capernaum uh, half, a, half a day ago. Like, they're waiting on us. Come on, let's go. Let's hurry. Let's pick it up. Let's move, right? Thomas is late. Leave him behind. It'll teach him a lesson. We're running far too late. We're taking a shortcut. We're going across the lake. Jesus, there's no boat. And that's how we got walking on water. That was a joke. Thank you. Right, there's no moment in which he's so stressed out, so frazzled, so rushed that he he moves past people and doesn't engage with people in their moment of need. If anything, Jesus is on the way to do urgent things quite often and he stops in a way that is very inconvenient to the people who have the urgent need. And he ministers to those around him. I love even when Jesus enters Jerusalem, it's this climactic moment in the story, right? This moment kind of that that crowns where everything has been going on and Jesus rides in on an animal. Now, if I was Jesus and I got to pick the animal that I was riding in on, I'd be like maybe a horse, like a nice white stallion It's fitting with the motifs to come or or maybe like a camel, kind of look like a wise man, that would be cool. Or really, if I'm honest, I would stretch for an elephant they to be like, come on, like, we're in the general area. I know they're quite far away, but I am the son of God, so let's get me an elephant. That bit, that'd read differently, eh, where he sends them, because he doesn't ride on an elephant, he rides on a donkey. I'd like to read that, where he's like, all right, disciples, go very far away and get me an elephant. An elephant is waiting for me, bring it back. But he doesn't, he rides in on a donkey. I don't know if you've ever seen a donkey. I'm assuming that you have, they're not that rare. <laughs> But I've never seen a donkey really run, right? Like donkeys are a a walking sort of animal. Donkeys don't move at pace. Donkeys are slow. When I think of donkeys, I think of Eeyore, right? And that pondering, slow sort of speaking. Most donkeys don't speak. See, I'm saying all this to say, if Jesus wasn't rushed and we're called to follow Jesus... If Jesus wasn't rushed and we're called to live in the way of Jesus, why do you think that we are? And I get it, most of us, we have a pretty good answer. Something like, well, I don't actually want to be rushed, but I cannot see another way to do everything that I need to do. Like, I'm not aiming for rushed. Rushed is not my goal, but just simply to keep my head above water in life. Rushed, rushed is a necessity. Rushed is what it takes to, to just survive. I'm just living. I'm just doing my best. And then, like I said, now, Jono, all you've done is, is you've pointed out that I'm rushed, and now I just feel guilty about it. I'm, no long, I'm still rushed, just rushed and guilty. This is not an encouraging moment for me, and, and I wanna suggest that maybe we, we don't need to add more to a crowded life. Maybe I'm not standing here today at least asking you to, to do the seemingly impossible and eliminate things from your schedule, but, but what if in life we did take some of the things that didn't work and, and maybe we removed them and replaced them with things that did? What if we tweaked some things here and there and implemented some life-giving practices? I think things could change. See, if you're anything like me, one of the ways you try and get on top of the rush, one of the strategies kind of not to fall off that spinning wheel of, of death is, is to try and multitask. Like, man, I haven't, you know, I've been going all day and I haven't relaxed and, and so now here we are and, and I'm cooking dinner this is more of a hypothetical because I'm not a very good cook, but go with it as an example. I'm cooking dinner and I'm I'm talking to the kids and I'm asking them how their day is going and I'm just catching up on Instagram because that just makes me feel like I've had a little bit of me time. And so I'm doing all of it, but really I'm doing all of it and I'm doing nothing. It's all and nothing. See, in my experience, in, in that sort of example, cooking can be relaxing and enjoyable, a, a way to unwind and, and, and just kind of take some, some time. And, and the kids have always got amazing things to share about their day and, and stories to celebrate and, and things that have happened. And there's, maybe there's something good on my phone, although I'm less convinced of that more and more. But rather than doing any of that, rather than engaging with any of the things, it's all and nothing. Or in my experience, maybe you do something like, M and I, we're better at it now, but we fell into a trap for a long time of, of multitasking while we were hanging out. So we'd be, you know, end of a week, we'd, we'd have a movie night and we'd be watching a movie. And so we'd be sitting on the couch watching a movie. But, but also, you know, we might as well catch up on, on what's happening in the world. So we'd have our phones out. And so we'd be sitting next to each other, but we wouldn't be touching because you need both your hands for your phone to, you know, some serious scrolling time. And we'd be watching this movie, but we weren't really watching the movie because we're also on our phone. And so you get to the end of a night and you'd be like, well, I didn't really enjoy that movie because I missed most of the plot, right? Like I just blinked and it was half an hour later. I'm not sure what happened. And, and I was sitting next to you and, and I love you and this is awesome, but we didn't actually, we didn't hold hands. We didn't remark on the movie. We were in the same room, but we were separate. We weren't doing this together. And, and I was on my phone, but I didn't really engage with my phone either. I did everything and nothing. I wanna suggest maybe it's not about needing more time, but changing how we use the time that we have. How do we use the time that we have? And, and I'm, I'm almost done, but uh, you know, I was reading this week as I was prepping for this message and I came across a fairly confronting statistic that the average person spends two hours and 29 minutes on social media a day. It's up five minutes from last year. So you know, we're building the number, good job. But, but you kind of think about that. I'm not sure if you do, but I, I hear that number and I'm like, surely. Like I must be well below average then. Like surely not. Surely I'm not on my phone, let alone on social media for two hours and 29 minutes. That must be those Gen X. They're just cranking up the number for all of us, right? They're addicted to their phone. I'm never on my phone. That's not what happens. But if you start kind of taking it apart, it's not 12 hours in a chunk. It's, it's with breakfast, five minutes. It's between meetings, 10 minutes. It's at the dinner table, it's in bed, it's watching TV, and it adds up. If you have a phone that can track how much screen time you do, I would encourage you to turn on that function and just take stock of how much time you're spending on your phone. Because the fact is, is that it adds up. Two hours and 29 minutes a a day adds up to over 800 hours a year. That's 36 days over a month of each year on social media. And I'm not saying that social media is the devil, but I am saying that if you're anything like me, most of the time that you're on social media, you're also doing something else. You're with people or you're relaxing, watching TV or, or a movie, but it's all and nothing. So you get to the end of the movie and you don't feel relaxed or you have end the conversation with the person you've been with and neither of you feel heard or seen. So what I wanna suggest is maybe it's not about doing less, but it's about being intentional in what we're doing. You know, maybe if you want to play a game on your phone or go on social media, whatever it is, great, that's fine. But maybe before you do it, decide how long you want to do it for and set a timer and enjoy that time that you have. And when the timer goes off, remind yourself, before the dopamine started going in my brain and whatever was happening in this algorithm started turning me into some sort of cyborg, I wanted to spend this much time. This is how much time I wanted to do and and now I'm going to do something else. This is the decision I made beforehand. And and maybe if you get to that point and you're like, oh, but I just need five more minutes to feel really relaxed. Maybe that's not a great thing to do to relax. If it's not working, if it's not meeting the need that you're asking it to meet, maybe you need to do something else. Maybe you need a break or or whatever you wanted from it. It's not happening and so find a different strategy. Maybe maybe you don't need a distraction. Maybe you need to simply set the timer and just sit just breathe for, for a few minutes decompress, let your mind wander. What, what if we don't always need to be doing? What if we actually need rest? Not, not entertainment. Entertainment isn't bad, but it's not rest, but, but a period of time in which we stop. What if there is a way of living from rest? A God-established rhythm. We read in Genesis chapter two, verses one to three, that God made the heavens and the earth, and then on the seventh day, God rested. God rested. And it says in the, in the passage that God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested. And it's from this example in God's instruction in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 that the Jewish people had this practice of, we'll put the word up on the screen, of Sabbath. In, in the Hebrew, it's the word Shabbat. And, and most literal translation of this word is to stop, but, but it can also mean to rest, to delight, and even to worship. See, I say all this to to point out to us that God made creation to live in a rhythm. That there are rhythms everywhere we look in in nature. There is a rhythm between day and night, waking and sleeping. There there is a rhythm between the noise and activity of spring and summer and the quiet and the dormancy of autumn and winter. There is even within our own bodies a rhythm of breath as we inhale and exhale. And and I think that we lose when we lose the sense of rhythm or pace, we we lose part of of our humanity. I wanna remind you that you are not a machine, that you have a soul, and that it was not created to move 24-7. When we live without rest, without space, without Sabbath, we go against the rhythm that God put into our very bodies, into the fabric of all creation. And as the philosopher H.H. Farmer once said, when you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. See, I'm done, but but as the band comes up, I want to suggest what if living at a life at a at a breakneck pace doesn't work? What if slow works? What if, like Craig Grishel says, the biggest barrier to the life that you want, a life of peace and satisfaction, of meaning and healthy, deep relationships, a life of joy, what if the biggest barrier to the life that you want is the life that you're living? What if today, this Father's Day, we remembered that we have a heavenly Father that we can trust, That, that we remembered that 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 we're not what we do, that we're not what we have or what others think about us, but we're deeply loved and that we're made for relationship, for work and for creation and for for rest. And so over the next few weeks, I I wanna look at something that I think works. We'll look at this idea of Sabbath, a practice of slowing down, of perhaps even stopping once a week and resting, celebrating, worshiping, but I'm not asking you to, to go all in on that today. If, if you are, if you're like, John, oh, I, I feel rushed and I wanna do something now, I would encourage you not to be so rushed and doing something, but also a lot of the sermon and the, the sermons in the weeks to come are, are, are informed by a book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And if you're looking for something to put into action, I would encourage you to get that book and start reading through it. But today, what I'm I'm suggesting is that maybe it's possible, in fact, maybe it's even essential for the health of our souls and our busy lives always sprinting to slow down, maybe even to stop. Maybe you can't stop anything currently, but you can be intentional in what you're doing. Maybe it's intentional time each day without your phone. I don't need this all the time, I'm taking this amount of time, 10 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever it is, and it's, it's going in a jar, it's going on the bench, it's going in the pantry, whatever it might be, but I'm, I'm engaging with the people in my life. I'm gonna be intentional in this moment. I'm not putting that temptation, or maybe it's, it's going on a walk with a loved one once a week, maybe some sort of thing, whatever it might be, what I would ask of all of us is that we would find a space in which we can slow down. Next week, I'm gonna talk about the fact that rest is an act of resistance would you start resisting the world that would tell us we are what we do and so we need to be doing, doing, doing more, more, more constantly that we would rest and remind ourselves that we are loved exactly as we are by a God who loves us more than we deserve. In fact, what I would ask you to do this this week is to stop and pray a simple prayer every day. Something like this. Father, help me today to slow down to walk with you and to be present to others in fact what I'm going to do for you tomorrow if you have the church center app I'm just going to send it out as a notification somewhere around first thing in the morning just a reminder to stop and declare your intent for the day Father help me today to slow down to walk with you and to be present to others, I won't do a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're all adults; we can set our own reminders. But, but I wonder what would our week look like? What would our lives look like if we live from a posture of intentional rest? God, help me to slow down. Help me to walk with you in such a way that I am present to you and I'm present to others. That I don't miss life as it goes by, but I am intentionally engaged on it. In fact, maybe even right now. For 10 seconds, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Maybe those are the words that you want to use. Maybe you've got other words, but would you take a moment that before you leave this space? We've asked God, Father, help me today to slow down, to walk with you, and to be present to others. You can add whatever you want on the back, you can leave it as it is. Just as you open your eyes again. So now I don't know what's gonna happen if we pray this prayer. I'm not saying that you're gonna go from being a stressed out, rushed person to being Zen and and everything being fine in the space of a, a five second prayer, but I am saying nothing's gonna change unless we make an intentional decision to change we know being rushed doesn't work. We know the pace at which we live our lives by default is not good for us. And we know that we meet in the person of Jesus, someone who gives us rest, real rest for our souls. Churches, you stand to your feet. I've asked the band to lead us in a refrain today, just for a few moments, that these words that we would sing together might put voice to the prayer that we have, that our life would be one of waiting on God, not one of spurring ahead, not one of trying to tell God the agenda and the time frame in which He needs to move, but a place in which we go, actually, God, if You were God, waiting on You is a wise thing to do. I can feel rushed, and I can feel stressed, and I can feel like there's so much going on. But in response to that rush and that stress, I don't feel like there's things I can put down. I've got responsibilities. I've got ways I need to live life. That's a bigger piece of work. But in this moment, God, I can wait on you. I can trust in you. Father, help me today to slow down, to walk with you, to be present to others. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.